It happens in the blink of an eye. It felt like we just dropped out of the sky and hit the ground. Immediately inside the plane, total chaos. A moment in time that changes your life forever. When you see the pictures of the car, I don't see how anyone could survive. Often these moments are just the beginning of a new world for the people who experience them. And you know the outcome is going to be drastic, but yet you still know that you have to do it. Each episode of Just a Moment examines someone's life-changing experience and explores how they navigated through that moment to discover a new normal. And I see beauty now. This is me. I promise you will hear compelling, raw stories that may help you navigate through your own life's journey, if you'll give me just a moment. Hi friends and welcome to Just a Moment. Life is fragile. One minute you're on your way home from work, and the next thing you're aware of is waking up in a hospital weeks later, not able to talk or move. That's what happened to my former co-worker, Nikki Spino. Nikki worked as an associate producer for the early morning news at WTOL and was in the early stages of what she hoped to be a successful career in MMA, mixed martial arts fighting. She had won her first fight and was looking forward to her second when she slammed head on into a semi and her life was shattered. I've posted a couple of pictures of the car on my website. When you see them, it's hard to believe someone survived the crash. Nikki broke bones and ribs, suffered numerous internal injuries, and worst, traumatic brain injury, or TBI. You'll notice from time to time, it still takes her a few seconds to find the right words. That's one of her battle scars. But her healing journey from the accident to now is an amazing testament to the strength of the human body and the human spirit. In fact, I call Nikki Spino a living miracle. I had to work at, be there by 3.30 in the morning after a half hour drive, and I was done by about 9.30. But I also worked another job as well as trained in mixed martial arts at night in Michigan. So, and that was about an hour and a half drive each way. So, so you were really sleep. busy. I didn't sleep much, yeah. yeah. And, uh, let's talk a little bit about the mixed martial arts, right? Because we were pretty surprised to hear that you were actually training in mixed martial arts. I was actually, the reason I started that is I had a boyfriend. That's why I moved back here from California and he broke my heart and I wanted a healthy way to take out my anger. And so I started to hit things and then I loved it. And it was a great workout, and I just, I had, I loved it. I actually had my first fight about a month to the date before my accident. And when you say um, your first fight, where was it? Tell me about that first fight. It was in Toledo. I had been training for about a year. Um, It was one of the first mixed martial arts events promotions in Toledo. And I was one of the first women um and i fought this other woman who didn't train that long or that hard and i won in two and a half minutes because i mean i was very dedicated and but well trained and you know i did the whole cut and weight and it was it was a big deal that was my life that's how i get obsessed with things as you'll see 
And I just, I focus all my time and energy on those. I make it work. Yeah, so so we were shocked because we know you as this really nice young woman that's coming into work every day, right? And I'm just like, what do you mean she she fights mixed martial arts? That's so crazy. Um, and so you won that first fight. That had to feel so good. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, it did. And you were just going to continue that, your plan. I, after you won that first fight, what was your plan? I already had another fight set up the next month. I think. It was, would have been two weeks after my accident. Okay. So you were training again right after you come out of that first Non-stop. fight. Yeah. And you're training again for a fight a month later. And what do you remember about the accident? Anything? Nothing. Do you remember being at work that morning? Nope. Actually, at first my memory was very sketchy. Um... I kind of blocked out the whole year before. I mean, it was your brain, I guess, makes new connections as right, it heals. Right. And so, but I did remember my fight, and I remembered when I heard the song, my fight walk walking in song, and I remembered the girl's name. I just I remembered that to a T, and actually I went right back training when I, I could with the same trainer, and he actually nurtured me and helped me get back in to working a working body I mean my whole body didn't work so if you're telling me the story of what happened to you what was the date of your accident tell me the date and tell me what you know about what happened to you it was July 14th 2007 um I just know what I've heard from my parents um, and from witnesses. Uh, witnesses say I went left to center and my parents thought maybe there was an animal in the road, which I swerved for, or I'm thinking I probably fell asleep at the wheel. Um, I hit the semi head on on Route 2 and was instantly in a coma. And I woke up in the hospital. Only only hospital I remember is actually the third hospital I was in. There were kind of a series of really miraculous things that happened with you in that accident, though, right? There was somebody that was able to respond to you right away. Instantly, yes. Tell tell me about that. What I I guess I where I wrecked is right in front of um a little like body shop or something to do with cars on route two and actually one of my friends lives right next door one of my friends i went to high school with and they were instantly called the police they were on you know and they were i guess on the scene the semi driver broke his leg i hate to say it but i was not wearing my seatbelt, which is it's amazing that i even survived it all because there's when you see the pictures of the car I don't see how anyone could survive. And the steering wheel actually came down, broke my leg in three different, my femur, in three different spots. I punctured a lung of severe traumatic brain injury. Um, just, I was a mess. So whatever happened, they were able to get to you very quickly and get you to the hospital. And I mean, God was looking out for me. I mean, he was. And I feel, now I just, I feel very blessed and I feel like, 
I'm here to serve a purpose. And so I just, I live each day with purpose and do what I can. Where were you taken from the accident scene to what hospital? The first one was St. Vincent's. And I guess that's a really good trauma hospital. And then I was relocated to Regency. And then University of Toledo Medical College. uh, Or medical hospital. Um, That one... I remember somewhat, but the others, I don't. How long of a time period are we talking about that you were in all of these hospitals? About two months. How much of that two months do you remember? I don't remember much at all, but a little bit of UTMC. I remember everyone thought I had an adorable doctor. Um, and we had to make a sign-in sheet when he came in to visit me because I couldn't remember in a couple hours, if you came, um, I was my. It took me a long time to recover. I wouldn't say I was even close. Like five years ago, I finally was able to lift my hand all the way up. And I, I compare it to growing up. Um, years or months, I learned to walk again, talk again, write again, read books, and train my mind. I had actually. Had read and looked at textbooks from college I had saved. I read books that I read before, and I just, I did math problems. I'm still not good at math. But um, I just, it was a lot of work. My my family doctor didn't want me to go to work for at least a year. I did, I actually went to work a little bit earlier, bartending. And it was good just to get me out in the social scene mm-hmm. and networking and talking to people. I was just day shift, so I wasn't crazy busy at first. Um, it was good to just do repetitive things because in your mind, you kind of know what to do, but your body won't work. And it's the most frustrating thing. You have to do things a thousand times, and then all of a sudden it'll go, whoop, it'll get it. Yeah. So let's go back to that hospital um, stay for just a minute and tell me what were the doctors telling your parents about your condition and your future? Um, it was it was not good. I, I feel my parents um, believed in me. I'm they just saw this, their little girl fight and you know. <laughs> the month before so they they had um they believed they first week i wouldn't make it the second week i would be a vegetable or on crutches forever um and the third week i wouldn't walk or something but it wasn't none of it was positive and i guess they have to tell you that because they don't want you to see the best and you not come out so good so they give you the worst hoping you come out the best um i just as i do with all things too i was out to prove them wrong and so actually i am i think my life is better now i'm a lot more organized and i'm very structured i have to have a list of things going on and future I can't really I sometimes I wish I could just go with the flow but I just need structure 
I know you don't remember a whole lot of being in the hospital. Do you remember moments when you were trying to say something or trying to do something and you just didn't know how to do it? Yeah, and just things didn't work. Same, I mean, it was like that for years after I even got out. What, like what? Give me examples of things that were frustrating well, my, for my you. My whole right side didn't work. I had to be ambidextrous for a while and I would actually, because I have a, a, somehow I got a cleaning gene. So I'd clean up the whole house before my mom came home because I stayed with my parents for the first year. And, but I'd make my right arm do everything. I'd act like my left was the one that was broken and I wouldn't let it because this one needed to be retrained. And it was, it is frustrating. Like I said, I know how to do things, but your body just doesn't work. What were they doing? And you, you, sometimes you don't know the right words to say. And that is really frustrating because you're like, it's on the tip of your tongue, but you just say something totally out of whack. And you're just like, whoa. Or else, and then like, um, dates of things, just weird, weird things. Your brain just doesn't. And even now, I used to be amazing with names and faces. Now I recognize a face. I'm like, I know that, but I'm terrible with names. Yeah. That may just be age too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Welcome to aging. Thank <laughs> you very much. You really had to relearn everything. Language how to eat, how to swallow, all of those things. Yeah. How much time did you spend in the hospital setting, rehabilitating before they were able to let you out? Well, I mean, my last two hospitals after St. Vincent, I was kind of stable, but they were rehabilitation hospitals. That's what I was there for, even though I was still in a coma or in a partial coma. They kind of, they kept me in a medically induced one to let my body heal. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of time was spent relearning just simple little tasks. And even when I got out, a lot of time was spent learning simple little, like how to eat, how to do anything, walk. I, I, I still, sometimes when I'm really tired, I'll go to the grocery store and people say, Ooh, what, what's wrong with your leg? And I'm just like, Nothing. I didn't, and they'll say, you were kind of limping. I was like, oh, I didn't even notice. But when I'm really tired and it kind of comes back, some of the effects come back. So you lived with your parents for a year. A year. And they had to tell you how bad your injuries were. I mean, at that point, you had to know everything, right? I mean, I I would ask a lot. And I don't think they really wanted to talk about it because it brought back bad memories. So I, I, but I would ask and they would be very forthright with me and honest and, and they would, and they would tell me because a lot, then, then I overthink everything. I was concerned if people just were nice to me just because they felt bad. So that was really concerned for a while is do they really like me or do they just feel bad? Mm-hmm. But you know, I still kind of question, but I'm hoping it's because they actually like me. <laughs> you're you're pretty likable. <laughs> um, go through for me again the list of injuries that you know of from the crash. I had, well, the biggest severe traumatic brain injury. Um, and I guess your brain makes, like I said, new connections. And I do notice that it takes me longer to think of things. 
I think it's because they're they have a longer route to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I punctured a lung. I broke one of my ribs. I broke my femur in three different spots. And I I had my head injury. Um, it was, it was closed, but I had internal bleeding really bad. So I have a scar all the way down my belly. Um, and actually, my mom asked me if I wanted to see a plastic surgeon, if they could do something. And I said, they're my battle scars. No. It proves I've been through something. <laughs> were you, did, were you trached? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have a trach, so you yeah. were on a ventilator. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I did. I went back probably two years later. I went back to each and every hospital and I thanked all the nurses. I just said, hi, I'm Nikki. I don't know if you remember me, but I'm here. I'm doing okay. Thank you for your helping me. And, and I, once I saw them, I kind of remembered their faces, which is odd, but it was weird. They had to be so happy to see you. They were, they were, they were probably shocked. Yeah, <laughs> because they didn't really expect you to be so physically able, right, after well, and, that happened. Well, and, I, and that... I attribute to fitness. That's why I do what I do now. I'm a personal trainer and I just, my whole body works just because of me working out, me training again to fight, me, everything I did was physical. I'm just a physical person and that fixed me. Let's talk about that, and let's talk about it in context of the fight you had right before the accident and the one you were training for. Because I feel like there would have been a lot of people that, if they weren't in the shape you were in, would not have even survived that accident, much less been able to recover the way that you've recovered. So talk a little bit about, I mean, that's almost like a blessing in itself that you had been motivated to start on this path of MMA, right? Yeah. Well, and even um, everyone said I would not have survived if I hadn't been in the shape I was in. Um, And... And because of mixed martial arts, I I believe everything happens for a reason, and it it really does. And if I wouldn't have been in such good shape, I might not have survived. And my accident, I think, although it was terrible and the recovery was awful, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, it was for a reason too. I mean, I like the person I am today. That the person before wasn't in the greatest of spot. They were unhappy. They were angry at life. They were partying. They were just not in a good spot. And I, I like the person I've become. And I love fitness. And I love, and which is now leading me to Charleston. I'm, and I just, I, I mean, I believe, do believe everything happens for a reason. So what is it, what is it that happened that, made you this person like why the change well I've always been very determined at whatever I put set or set my mind on um I work and work and work until it works and I think but I'm also a very speedy person I like to get things done fast 
And I think this taught me patience. It taught me to take my time and really, I mean, appreciate life and appreciate where I'm going as far as just wanting to get there. So the journey became more important to you than just the outcome. Yes. Yeah. So you're living with your parents, you're rehabilitating yourself, and you're still going to outpatient rehab for how long after you got out of the hospital? I think I went for eight weeks, twice twice a week. Which doesn't really seem like that long no, considering no. your injuries, but, right? But I also, I'm very self-motivated. My full-time job every day was to work on myself. It was to help myself do something. It was just, and then once I started working every day, going to work was just, that was helping me rehabilitate. Like me doing these repetitive tasks and being social, meeting the people. I mean, it every everything helped. I think everything helped. I can imagine at the beginning when you can't think of words, when you can't feed yourself, when you can't get up out of the bed and take yourself to the restroom, all of those things that most of us take for granted every day in our physical bodies, there could have been a moment where you might have said, I'm done. Why me? Or I'll never be the same or just kind of given up. So tell me a little bit about what you're, what you were thinking in that moment when you knew you were so badly injured. I wasn't quite clear in the brain yet as far as thinking. So I was in a little bubble in this little happy place. It wasn't until I started to get better and I started thinking how terrible things were, how things didn't work, and how frustrating it was. Then, it, I mean, it, it even sometimes got to the point where if I wasn't Catholic, I wouldn't be here. I was that I would get that frustrated. But like, like I said, I what when you say that, what do you mean? What are you talking about specifically? I just I I I didn't want to be. I didn't I I would get so upset. Like, why did I survive this? Why am I here? But I I'm here for a reason. And did you think about um, taking your own life? At times, I would never do that, but I, I did. I mean, you just—I think everyone kind of has a moment of weakness when they do. But. I'd rather not be alive if this is the way I'm going to be. Right. Is kind of right. what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so that component of faith and your your faith, your Catholic faith, how did that kind of that, and factor actually, in? I wasn't real faithful before I was I went to a Catholic school and um so I, I was and but I now I make a point of going to church every Sunday and I make a point of praying every night and um I just it's it's kind of important to me now and I, I feel like I do feel like he set me on this path and I want to you know serve his purpose and live for him yeah and like even when I was doing, I did bikini also then, um, bodybuilding competitions and in each different competition because I did a couple in Fort Lauderdale in Naples, I and Cleveland I would find like usually it was a gorgeous cathedral, and I'd I'd go every Sunday to 
either to say, hey, why didn't I do so well or, you know, thank him. <laughs> so that faith component and your determination were two of the things that kind of got you through. It was um, hard. It was. I mean, it was. I can't believe it's been it's been 10 years. And to me now, it seems kind of unreal because um not to like break but I don't think most people would would be as active in like I am like with their bodies right working out well I've seen the pictures of the car and I knew you before and I know you now right so I can attest to just you know how bad the accident was and we really all who knew you were very, uh, we thought you might not make it. That was what we, you know, the word that we were getting too. And it was really scary and sad. There was one other thing that really played a huge factor in your recovery. My and that is you wanted to fight again. Oh, right? I did. I did. I did. So oh, yeah, I was bound and determined to get in that cage again. That was, well, that was, I think it was the last fresh memory I had in my head. And it drove me. You had a fight scheduled. I did. And you had not yet uh, been able to realize that fight, right? They had to cancel it because of your um, injury, because of your accident. And that was still in your mind. And that training fixed me. And I actually, I fought. So what was, tell me though, like what was your, what were you thinking? What was your goal? What was your thing when you were going through that rehab? What were you thinking to yourself? I'm going to do this again. I'm going to. And I just, I was bound and determined. I was, that was my obsession at at the time. And actually it was a good one because it led me to Thailand. I went and trained in Thailand and um, Muay Thai Mm -hmm. twice. How, how long after your accident? So this is another thing I think is really incredible. You're living with your parents. You're still getting over your injuries and still developing yourself, right? You weren't walking correctly. No. You couldn't remember things I could, the I way couldn't, you could. I couldn't run. Um, yeah, so at that, at that point when you're thinking about going to Thailand, tell me your physical state. What was your physical state? I saw my right side just... Wouldn't work. I'd sometimes limp. I couldn't run. I couldn't do a lot of things. I still kind of held my arm and I don't know how to describe it, but I just, I didn't hold myself right. I just, I wasn't quite right. And I think my parents thought I was insane when I said, I'm going to go to Thailand. (laughs) And they know, they know I'm crazy and I do crazy things. And they're like, okay, go. So I went my first year, I think this was three or four years later. First year I went to Bangkok for a month um, with a man I trained with before my fight in um, Vegas. He was now back in Thailand in his home country. I went to his gym. And then the next year I went to Phuket for about two and a half months. And I just, if it did that difficult life, we trained two hours in the morning, two hours at night. We'd run in between. I learned how to run again. And I'd, then I'd run about a 5K every day, every morning before I'd train. And that was my life. And then I came back and I continued to run. And I 
actually, I think it was four years ago, ran a half marathon at Kelly's. I don't think I, I want to go back to that Thailand thing because I, first of all, why Thailand? Well, that's the birthplace of Muay Thai. That was my main martial art was Muay Thai. And you're there living in a place where you don't really know anyone. You don't know the lay of the land and the you language. can't <laughs> physically operate. Like what, what in the world made you think that was a good idea? I just, I knew I needed fixed and I knew, to, knew I didn't want the help of anyone. I was bound and determined to find my own way and I was kind of sick of hearing everybody, you know, tell me I should be this way and I should do this and I, no. So I just went. What did the trainer think when you, when you said you wanted to go or when you showed up to train with the, the people in Thailand and you're basically physically disabled what are what are they thinking about you i don't know exactly what they think but they're all they're all really kind um the whole country i think is filled with kind people i just i love thailand um and they they would work with me and they did you tell them what happened to you and what you why you were there and and, i mean we didn't always speak the same language but they understood i was quite right and I was there with another American that I had trained with in um, Vegas before my accident and he he was there for me and they just I just they were very special people and they helped me so this is how long after you came home I think it was three years okay so you're home rehabbing for three years you go for one month um, to Bangkok you come home for how long did you go the next year yep. back again? Yeah, it was probably nine months. And you stayed even longer yep. the next and, time? And then this time in Phuket, Lion Muay Thai. And what were you noticing? What were the physical changes you were noticing? I just, well, my right side was starting to work better. I still, in Bangkok, couldn't quite run. I was really bad in Bangkok. And then the next year, I was good and I started to run again and... This path in um, Phuket was awesome. I'd run up by these elephants and I'd go down by the beach and it was just it was fun, up hills. And then um, my body started to work again. I still think when I came back then I got in the cage again. And I still think it was a little too early. My right side was still healing. Um, so I ended up losing by points. But um, it got me out of it. Okay, so wait a minute. Is this in Thailand or is this no, here? No, here. Okay, so you came home and you actually scheduled another fight. Yeah, and I, I think it was against my trainer's judgment and everybody. Nobody wanted me to fight again. Nobody did. But I was, like I said, bound and determined and... Why? Did they think you weren't ready yet? Or did they just think because of what happened, they didn't want you to get hurt again? What was the thinking? I think it was because of what happened, they thought I'd get hurt again. And I mean, one blow to the right temple would have been, well, it was actually the left temple. It would have been bad. It might not have been good. It was probably, you know, a bad decision, but 
I had to do it. Why? I don't know. I just, at that time, that was the only thing. And it it did heal me. And I just thought, you know, we always think, you're not going to get hurt. You wanted to finish what you started. Mm -hmm. So being in the ring again, being in the cage again, knowing everything that you had been through, what was that fight like? Talk to me about that fight. I just, well, I think, like I said, my brain was still hanging as well. So I was under the impression, I know it's silly, but in Thai fights, there's five three-minute rounds. So then I'd been to a ton of Thai fights, and so I'm thinking, I have five three-minute rounds, which she couldn't have done because even she was struggling a bit in the third. But so I, I'm getting out of the third thinking I saw one and I'm like, oh crap, I don't. And so I just, I lost my points and I didn't get hurt. So, you know. In your mind, there were two more rounds for you yeah. to be able to. Yeah. Um, what was it like to be there? What was your feeling when you were in the cage, ready to start the fight? The crowd is there. Your opponent is looking at you. You know, tell me just a little bit about that emotion that you were feeling. I'm going to do this. And well, and, and I, I don't think I had the anger I had when I had my first fight. So it was hard for me. You know, I, did, I didn't, I didn't want to hurt her. I mean, the first fight, I didn't want to hurt her either, but it was a sport to me. And it still is a sport to me. I just, I didn't have that anger driving me. So I, that's, I did it and then I was over it. Did you enjoy it? Mm. No. I, I mean, it was just what I've been working for. i to do this. And I, I did it. <laughs> Were your parents there? Yes. They, they must have been scared to They hated every minute. Yes. Yeah. They were. But they had to be there. Mm. You had to be so proud, though. I did. Yeah. I, what, what were you feeling about yourself at the end? Well, I was a little discouraged. I mean, that I was such an idiot for thinking I had another round. But I just... And I was... I knew I had gotten in there too early. And I just thought I was crazy. But... I just then, I just quit and moved on to my next challenge. Yeah. So you had done it. You had completed your goal that you were trying to complete. And it had fixed me, so it it served its purpose. Talk about that. What do you mean when you say that? I mean, because of my determination to get back in the cage, it helped me heal my body. My training, being in Thailand... And just everything helped heal my body. You have since continued, right? You're, okay, I you're... Actually, I met I met a man um, I trained with at Lion in Phuket. And he was a personal trainer. And we started talking. And I decided when I came back, I said, I'm going to get certified. I'm just I'm going to do it. And because my brain was a little, little slower, I failed the test two times but I kept but I kept one of my friends pushed me and he said just do this and my third one I finally passed and I was like yeah so I started personal training and I loved it I've been doing it for about eight years now I have my own business Nikki Spino Fitness 
and I teach tons of classes, water aerobics, circuit classes, kickboxing classes. I just, and and I, I wake up excited to go to work. I mean, I work out myself. I don't just stand there and tell them what to do. I take part. So, and I, I just, like we were talking this morning, it just, it's a great way to start your day. You wake up, you don't necessarily want to go, but you go and you do it and then you just, you're done and you can go on with your day. Knowing that your physical fitness probably was the difference between you living or dying in that accident, Nikki, do you carry that with you in a serious way and convey that to others about the importance of them being fitness. physically fit? Yeah. Yes, because I mean, it did, it healed me. And I, I actually carry a picture of my car and my phone with me that whenever I'm having a bad day, I think you're here for a reason. And also, I mean, if I don't work out almost daily, I don't think you want to be around me. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good outlet, right? Yeah, it's just, it's uplifting and I, do, I just feel better. And now I'm back to running again and I just, I love it. So tell me about um, some of the things. You had your fight and then you also did some bikini competitions after that, uh, fitness competitions, mm-hmm. right? Tell me a little about that and why you decided to do that. Well, I had a, I had a girlfriend um, who I worked with at the news, Mel- Melanie Ash. She became a personal trainer, and now she's down in Columbus. And she had competed a few times, and I'd been talking to her about it. And I thought, I want to try this. So there was a competition in Toledo. I tried, and I did fairly well. I thought, oh, I can do this. So I did another one, and then I did another one. And I did, I'm thinking, way too many in the short time. (laughs) But my last one was in... Um, Charleston, South Carolina, and and I was going for a pro card. Luckily, I didn't get it because I would have kept doing it. And I just, I quit, and now I'm actually moving there. <laughs> so, so the competition took you there, and you fell in love with Charleston. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, the city is gorgeous. So again, just kind of like another little connector, right? If you hadn't yeah. been able to get yourself physically fit if you hadn't decided to do the bikini thing you yeah. wouldn't have gone to charleston, charleston. yeah you, right exactly. so all like these little yeah. kind of connectors and next year my plan depending on how everything works out is a marathon in greece you have actually run marathons half marathons yeah, I did, tell me i did a, right before i started doing bikini i did a half marathon at kelly's kelly's island and I used to run almost every day. Um, I'd run, I live in Catawba Island, so I'd run half the island one day and the other half a couple days later. And then every Sunday I'd run the whole island, which was a total of about 10 miles. And then, I mean, running was my thing. It, I'd like clear my mind and I felt like solve all the world's problems. And then once I started doing bikini, I wasn't allowed to run because I needed glutes and so we tried to build up my glutes but I just don't have them in my jeans anyway <laughs> um so I didn't run I did the elliptical a lot for cardio and other crazy I, I'm a great um lifter now <laughs> 
but I also I run all the time. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about this goal in Greece. Like, where did that come from? And I, I had that goal. It was on my bucket list. Gosh, it's probably been 15 years. Um, I always wanted to run just one marathon. And if I ran one marathon, it would be on the original marathon route in Greece. And so I started to research it and research it. And they do it every November. And I figured 2020, what better year? So so you're in training for the Greek marathon, marathon. right? Yep. The original marathon where mm-hmm. all of this competition started. What would What would you say to people who might find themselves in a debilitated physical state, Nikki, who may have had a stroke or an accident or some kind of TBI, um, where they're kind of in that delicate spot that you were in so many years ago now, um, and they might be thinking to themselves, it's just too much, I just can't do it. Don't give up. Um, Push yourself. Or maybe you have a friend that drives you crazy, but let them push you. Um, And I think a lot of people don't have the structure I have. Like my family, they've been amazing. They pushed me. Um, Like when I said I wanted to go to Thailand after they almost lost me three years before, they're thinking, this girl's crazy, but... They're like, okay, have fun. <laughs> and they let me do it. Right. I would have told you no. Yeah. Right. I mean, I would have encouraged you, you know, they can't stop you, I guess, if you can go. But I would have found every reason as a mom to say, please don't do that, Nikki. Yeah. And just like me moving to Charleston, I think my dad thought it was just an idea for a while. So he didn't really, until I started bringing home boxes of things and he thought, this is really happening. Okay. <laughs> and, we sat down in a big talk, and he's like, okay, go. He's like, you don't have anyone holding you back. He's like, go. To be able to push yourself, to be able to have others to push you. Um, and believe in, just believe in yourself. When the whole world tries to knock you down, have confidence and believe in yourself and keep that head up. Don't let anyone bring you down. No one knows. I mean, I was in a terrible accident. That was my thing. Everyone has something. I mean, they've either dealt with divorce or loss or something. But don't give up. Don't put your head down. Be who you are, confident. Learn from it and grow. That's all you can do. You can only, you know, if you can't do anything else, just push yourself. I mean. Yeah, be a better you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I find it interesting. Your goal was not to get in the cage and win a fight, right? I mean, you won your first I mean, fight. I wanted but to, but yeah, it was just something to do. I mean... You wanted to get back in the cage and prove you could do it. Exactly. Win yeah. or lose, right? I mean, obviously, winning is the better yeah, because, outcome. Because everyone did. I felt... And I felt... I'm also a severe overthinker. And I felt like... A lot of people, and they were scared for me, but they didn't think I could do it. They didn't think, and I just, I was out to prove everyone wrong. Like, hey, look at me. I'm doing this. Whether you like it or not, I'm doing this. And 
that's how I am with a lot of things too. <laughs> if I'm bound and determined, I I do it. I find a way. Yeah. Another trait that really it helped me through. Helped you, right? So, um, you talked about going back to the hospital and thanking the nurses and the medical staff that helped you through. Mm-hmm. Do you have occasion to talk to other people with? traumatic brain injury or stroke or those types of things and tell them share your journey with them yeah i actually um another tbi survivor his name's john mills he's a race car driver and he got his tbi from wrecking his car at mid ohio and his he's had quite a journey too um but occasionally we'd get together and um, now he's back to doing what he does, race cars. I'm sure no one ever wanted him to do that again, but that's what he does. And I think when when we when you spend your whole life doing something, and people just expect you to change, no, that's what I do. It's it's hard to, for people to understand. And he um, speaks a lot, and and he talks to people, and he, he was um, he helped me a lot. With his recovery, both of our recoveries, we helped each other. Mm-hmm. Would you want to kind of um, help others? Yeah, for sure. Like for speak sure. to others in hospitals. Or... I've, 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 I've thought about that a lot. Um, I just I don't know how to go about, and I don't I don't know if when people people are in the hospitals if they're ready for that yet. I think maybe get them. A year out or something would be mm-hmm. better and more. I, do, I don't wouldn't want them to see me and think, oh, yeah, I mean, hers wasn't that bad. You know what I mean? I just, just don't want to discourage people. I want to push them, but I don't want them to say, oh, well, I don't, I can never do that. You know what I mean? She must not have been that bad. And everyone's is different, and everyone's affects your brain differently and where you're struck. And I know it's there's a lot involved. So, but I mean, I would like to give people hope. I remember maybe a year or so after your accident, um, social media post, and I made the comment that you are a living miracle. Do you consider yourself to be a miracle? Yes. That's why I I just, I try to be a better person and to be as helpful as I can. And like I said, I know I'm here for a reason. I don't know what that reason is, but I hope it's to help people physically <laughs> through fitness. Um, but I mean, fitness also helps you mentally. Yeah. It does a lot. Talk about a little bit about that um, that mental component and that because I can imagine a lot of people who go through something like that, there is a depression that sets in at some point. How did you fight off that depression mon- monster when you were? in the hospital or in the rehab or living at home and not being able to, you know, physically do all the things that you used to be able to do. Working and slowly achieving those goals meant a lot. I mean, just the little things mean so much more. Because, like, people do take advantage of their bodies working and everything, working, walking, writing, talking. When you can't do that, it's... It's awful, but I just, I just was self-determined to keep pushing and having those goals, those big goals of me wanting to do 
these crazy things pushed me. I mean, and helped me baby steps to those big goals. And then um, talk a little bit now about your, you know, how does kind of going back to that physicality and mental, the mental component to physical fitness, how does your workout, your running, your activity during the day physically help you mentally? It just, I mean, if, if something's really bothering you and you just go kind of let off the steam, like maybe if I'm, I'm really angry at something, I go, I go hit the bag. I mean, or if I want to solve a problem, I go running. I go, there's just different, or lifting can be really uplifting sometimes. I mean, just being able to lift this heavy thing up. It takes you a while to get to that point. Some people do it and they hate every minute of it. And... Some people just plain don't do it. And I don't want to. There's a lot of times, and I told, the, I told the girls this morning, I said, there's a lot of times I don't want to go to my class, but it is my job. And once I do it, it clicks. But it's like sometimes, like no one was coming this morning, and I thought, oh, God, I'm going to have to do this by myself. <laughs> and then here they come. So, I mean, it, it just, I think that in classes, the social, cal- the social, so, um, Aspect. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. Helps a lot. But even alone, I just push myself. If I I might not want to do it, but I just I just make myself and then it helps you. You feel I feel better. Were you lonely when you were rehabbing? And what can people do? Because I can imagine, you know, you're living with your parents, you're not able to go out with your friends on a Friday night, maybe like you used to for a while at least, right, until you physically regained your strength and your composure physically. Were you lonely? No, not really. Um, I have, I've kind of become, or I've kind of become, I like to do things alone. I feel like... I don't know how to say this nicely, but I feel like other people either try to hold you back or, and well, doing bikini was very lonely. That was lonely too because I I couldn't do anything. I couldn't go out to eat anywhere. I couldn't drink anywhere. I had distilled water only, so I couldn't even get water. I mean, I was just, I didn't have a life doing that at all. But I do, I do miss being social sometimes, but I I like to be alone with, with my dog. You know, he's the, my little best friend. What are some of the things that people can do if they find a loved one, a friend, in the situation that you were in to be able to be helpful? Because I think we tend to just leave people alone sometimes, and maybe that's not always the best thing to do. Maybe it would be nice to have people come over right, and visit. Well, yeah, or, I mean, and I, it, it was. I, I, I did, like, when I was in the hospital, when people came and visited me, it just totally lifted me up. And even during my healing, it was nice to be social around people. And I, I mean, I went through, I was a, a very, actually, it wasn't t- probably until Bikini that I became totally secluded. Um, but I think educate yourself, because it's a very, it's not a thing people tend to talk about or know much about. I mean, they're knowing a little bit more and more, but it's still, especially with military getting head injuries, it's, people are starting to understand it more, but it's still, 
Because it kind of kind of really change you and affect you. I actually think mine probably made me nicer. <laughs> mm-hmm. But some people can be angry. Um, I've, I've actually heard videos of people using curse words and being really angry people. Mm-hmm. So just be sensitive and be understanding. Don't push them in helpful, positive ways, but don't be nasty. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's a very it's a fine line when you're dealing with someone with head injury because you don't really, until you get to know them and how it affected them. I think, but I th- I also think just treat them the same. Don't treat them like they're different. Right, right. I mean, don't until you get to know what would be helpful to them. Don't treat them like they have a disability. Don't treat them like they're different. Treat them the, the same as you would anyone else. Hopefully that's a kind person. <laughs> mm-hmm. What was it like for you to get behind the wheel of a car for the first time? It was very scary. Um, I often went right to center, especially when semis were coming at me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the first two or three years, it was really scary. Um, but now I'm, I'm pretty comfortable behind the wheel. Do you wake up after this experience every day and just say, thank you, God, that I'm alive? Every Tell morning. me kind of like, what what is your... Every morning, um, I have a list, a list of prayers, I say, for friends and, you know, for myself. And a th- big thank you. But I mean, you really are a miracle. Thank you. <laughs> like I said, a living miracle. I want to point out that while the accident that changed her life happened in a split second, the recovery has taken much longer. It's been more than 10 years since it happened and she's still working through some of the lingering effects of her accident. As hard as it is, patience seems to be a necessity for anyone navigating a traumatic event. My biggest takeaway from Nikki is that she found a purpose that drove her to heal. There is lots of research out there that shows people with purpose are happier, more successful, and have better relationships. Nikki's purpose was to heal not only her body, but her mind to be able to get back in that ring to fight again. That purpose drove her to stay focused, not to give up, and to take risks like traveling abroad to train and finding the courage to step back in that cage for another fight. She also continued to push herself doing the bodybuilding contests. All of those things funneled into Nikki's ultimate purpose, which was to heal and get her independent life back. So here's an update on Nikki. She did move to Charleston, but when COVID hit, her gym was closed and she wasn't able to work. So she came back to Ohio, but she is leaving at the end of August for another amazing adventure abroad. She's working with an organization called Work Away, which helps people find short-term jobs in other countries. She's starting off in Tahiti and hopes to spend the next year traveling, learning, and continuing her journey of healing and growth. And about that marathon in Greece, COVID put that dream on hold last year, so she has decided to plan for it in 2026 because, well, the marathon is 26 miles. So what is your purpose? Are you pushing yourself to grow and learn every day? If someone in Nikki's condition can do it, 
I believe all of us can. Thanks for listening. I hope you found something helpful in the conversation. And if you did, please share and subscribe to the podcast. I have more remarkable stories to share with you in just a moment.